Hey everyone, it's Sam, that girl with the curls, bringing you finally another episode of the podcast. Um, it's been a while since episode 106. Um, I can tell you that the big reason for the delay has usually been uh, sickness uh, and general life stuff. So yeah, if you're a, a frequent listener, you probably know that this is par for the course. I mean, I would like to do these more on a regular basis, but getting guests and then actual life tends to uh, disagree with my plans. So yeah, that's basically the excuse. Um, it's, well, it's not an excuse, it's just what happened. But uh, I am pleased as all get out to bring you this episode of That Girl with the Curls, episode 107, which is Nadia Shamas. Uh, who is the editor and curator and uh, overall badass behind Corpus, a anthology of uh, basically ailments and diseases and uh, stories of um, p- how people deal with health issues. So it's a Kickstarter currently, and it's uh, almost at the end of its uh, 30 days, so I would encourage you, uh, if you're listening to this now, uh, to go and support it, because as we talk about in the episode, uh, issues of our bodies and, um, and and issues of health are at times not talked about as much as you would think they are. Um, healthcare is always in the news, I mean, especially right now, but there's also diseases and conditions and experiences that we don't talk about, but I think we should. And Nadia points out correctly um, that if you know, she couldn't find uh, stories that she could relate to in terms of her own conditions. And so she decided to put that out into the ether. She wanted to make that happen, and that's the best reason to do anything. So please go and support Nadia and Corpus. And uh, yeah, and if you are in the Seattle area or are planning to be in the Seattle area uh, March 1st through 4th, please come to Emerald City Comic Con where Nadia will be uh, hawking her wares, mostly hawking uh, corpus. So please uh, come to Emerald City, say hi, um, and uh, let her know if you listen to this podcast as well. Uh, I'll be walking around too. So yeah, without further ado, here is episode 107 with Nadia Shamas. Oh, what the hell? She says I just can't win for losing. And she lays back down. Man, there's so many times I don't know what I'm doing. Like I don't know now. In the moon, she rubs her eyes Says it's funny how the night can make you blind I can just imagine And I don't know what I'm supposed to do But if she feels bad, then I do too So I let her be And she says, oh, I can't take Hi! Hi, Nadia! How are you doing? I'm good, how are you? Yeah? How's the packing going? Oh my god. <laughs> I'm really bad procrastinator when it comes to packing. Well, I can understand that. Oh my god, it's not good. I'm not good at this. <laughs> Mistakes. I never sleep the night before I just did a trip now because I always just kind of like mess around until like the last few hours and I'm like, it gets to like midnight and I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have to do something, don't I? Crap. Oh, 
I have to be responsible. <laughs> yeah, I can just get like, like I don't care what I take with me. <laughs> I don't care. It's like just put it in a bag and tell me I look pretty. I don't care. I just wish. I, yeah, I just wish that I could like throw. Like, just I wish it was socially acceptable. Just like crumple shit up and throw it into a bag. Yeah. Look it or uh, have you seen have you seen Mary Poppins? Like when they Oh my god, yeah. You know, when they just throw their clothes and the drawers just open up for them and everything. I know, it's beautiful. <laughs> like, oh, if only. <laughs> Why doesn't the world work that way for me? Mary, where the hell are you? Right? I was promised some kind of a British nanny that would put my life back together for me. Oh my god. I wish. <laughs> uh but uh, we are, uh, I started recording, so um, we're, we're good to go. Uh, uh, awesome. do, do you know how long you have, or do we just go uh, until you say you can't? I would say probably, uh, let's like do like maybe 40-ish minutes. Okay. Good enough. Yeah. Well, all right, let's get started then. Uh, Nadia Shamas, welcome to That Girl with the Curls. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yay. <laughs> in audio format yes, um, exactly. my voice captured by the great spirits that will take it away one okay. day <laughs> just like a remnant of my existence left behind truly a beautiful thing <laughs> yep don't forget me oh god <laughs> it's gonna go out in the ether and aliens and like two or three generations will will hear it be like my god we must find these people Yeah. I feel like that's what most podcasts eventually they'll just be like, these narcissists are just, what even? I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's hard to explain podcasts to uh, my parents. They're like, what are you listening to? And I'm like, podcasts. And they're like, what? And I'm like, it's, it's the radio. <laughs> it's the radio, but different. Yeah, sort of, kind of. Yeah, we're, we're, we've gone back in time. We, we were like, we want TVs. We want movies. Uh, we want phone screens that work as TVs and we'll never be apart from them. And then all of a sudden, we started panicking and we were like, all right, back to radio. <laughs> yeah, we, we like to cycle through our technology a, a few times every generation. Uh, everybody look forward to my podcast, uh, Podcast Killed the Radio Star. <laughs> that is trademarked. No one start that. <laughs> Like patent pending, patent pending. Copyright <laughs> uh, to Nadia Shamus Media Inc. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> is it is it Shamus? Did I I pronounced it incorrectly? I'm sorry. There's, there's, I I am not uh, hung up about how my name is pronounced. Okay. At all. I'm just like whatever. It's yeah. It's more me just not wanting to get it wrong because oh, sure. I've had you know yeah yeah no my my. Uh, I'm first generation in the U.S., so at this point, I'm just like, eh. It's like, as long as it's you get like, some part of it right, I don't care anymore. As long as it's close, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really care. Okay. Good. Good to know. But going forward, when I see you at, at Emerald City, I will, I will remember this. Yeah, just be like, hello, Nader. <laughs> and I'm like, yep, that's me. Nader shame? Uh... Yeah, exactly. I had a, a gym teacher in high school. God, this w- this is rambling. <laughs> Don't worry, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> yeah, great start. I had a gym teacher uh, who 
called me Irish, and I was like, I'm Arabic, and he was like, I don't care, Seamus. <laughs> and I was, like, <laughs> I was like, all right, and that was just my nickname for, like, through all of gym class, through high school for, like, four years, he just called me Irish, even though I went to a Catholic school mm-hmm. that was 80% Irish, and I was, the, like, one of the only non-Irish people in the room. It's like, I'm the one you choose to call it? Okay, okay. There's a Gaelic club that has 300 members of a school with 320 students. So, I don't know what this... (laughs) Why are you like this? It's like, I even told you, and you're just not paying attention. Okay, that's... Whatever. Does it it just... It just becomes resignation after a while, or did you fight it? No, I was just like... That's all he said, I don't care, and I was like, alright, I guess I don't either. (laughs) There we go. Guess there are worse things in this world, but... Yep. <laughs> well, the reason you're you're here, even, not only that you're just, you know, cool, but uh, is that you are promoting um, a Kickstarter campaign that you are the editor for, uh, a comic called, a comic anthology called Corpus. And uh, do you want to give, like, the elevator pitch, or just, like, uh, explain it as quickly sure. as you can? Or... Yeah, Corpus is a comic anthology that has a range of stories about every possible way that illness and healthcare can enter our lives. So we've got stories about disability, mental illness, uh, physical illness, medical debt, surgeries, hospitals, um, just caring or for a loved one who is sick or, mm-hmm. or you know, uh, dealing with an ailing family member, stuff like that. So there's it's just a, a wide range of of stories that uh, are about a subject that for some reason there's just seems, I mean, for multiple reasons, there's a lot of silence around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it comes from my own experience as a type 1 diabetic, uh, seeing kind of a lack of representation, and when we are represented, we're always kind of the bum tis at the end of a fat joke. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so I uh, thought, hell, if it's not going to exist, I'll do it. No, and, uh, and that's... Reading. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, sure. No, it's, it's just, like, that's, that's the thing that I love the most about what's happening right now in terms of, like, Kickstarter and the comic book industry is that it's, like, I don't see it, I'm gonna make it now, you know? Absolutely. Kickstarter has absolutely changed the game for a lot of uh, different kind of mediums of art, but comics in particular has been kind of this very insular community for a long time and Kickstarter basically just much like kind of when uh, creator owned imprints came to power in the 90s mm-hmm. uh you know I hope it's the 90s <laughs> I think it's pretty sure it's the 90s we'll go with I'm, it I'm wrong please don't crucify me <laughs> uh, yeah but um but like so kind of uh when when creator owned imprints are now on the rise so are kind of uh, Kickstarters busting down the door and allowing people to kind of start their own companies to create the content that they want to see. Mm-hmm. And is this the first Kickstarter you've done, or have you done um, this in the past? Nope, this is my first project and my first Kickstarter, um, and uh, it's been it's been a real whirlwind. Yeah, what, what, what has it been, what's been the most challenging, and what's been like the, the thing that you thought would be the most challenging, but really isn't? Um, I think that... I I wasn't sure what to expect. I mean, I feel like the most challenging thing about the Kickstarter phase has just been kind of uh, the, the, 
the patience. I felt like I would be more... I didn't realize how emotionally invested I would be in every single pledge that came my way, oh, I yeah. think. And I think that was uh, that was something I wasn't really prepared with for. And I also wasn't, I don't think, prepared for what it really means to have something up for nearly a month to uh, and kind of having to, I, you know, I'm no stranger to, to uh, hard work. I mean, I, but this was, uh, I don't know, I, I, I guess... The thing about Kickstarter is after you've launched it, I thought that there would be kind of a piece of mm-hmm. me saying, well, I've done my best and now it's in the hands of the audience, but that's, I, I, that piece did not come for me. Okay. And I, I think that's, uh, that's been kind of the most challenging thing is to try to pull myself away from it and say, you know, just, it, you know, it's not going to happen in a day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. Uh, in terms of what was most challenging about creating the book, I think it would have to be the true selection process of the stories. Yeah. Because uh, when I opened submissions, I did not realize how many stories I would really get. I ended up with like 200 email submissions besides the people who I had approached um, myself to be in the book. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was very difficult to kind of narrow it down because I felt this kind of enormous responsibility to choose a, a very wide selection of different styles and tones and stories mm-hmm. and I didn't want anyone who was not chosen to feel as though they weren't chosen because their experience wasn't valid yeah it was just really kind of a space issue yeah I, I, I can imagine yeah with this particular type of anthology where it's it's a broad spectrum of mm-hmm. of illnesses and in and, and conditions and everything so yeah if you you want to focus on, or, or you already have a story that kind of covers one thing, and then you get other ones, like the curation, man, I don't envy you that job at all. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and sometimes you would get different, uh, you know, for the same disease, different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh boy, like, can I put in multiple stories? Did, what do you, you know, are they, are they different enough perspectives that it, it's not like a repeat? Like what, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And especially uh, with issues like, you know, depression, there are multiple depression stories in there, but, and there were a lot of uh, submissions about depression and anxiety, which is very fair because it's an incredibly common illness. So I had to kind of wade through and say, no, this is an aspect that the other stories don't reflect and it's it's a completely different approach and you know so on and so forth so there's you know some that are kind of standalone and there are some that are uh different aspects you know different sides of the same coin Mm -hmm. yeah i i think i remember even seeing the submission uh announcement for corpus um and i almost wrote something but i i've i've always been really hesitant about my own medical conditions to like even expose them to people just be like no i don't i don't want to do that (laughs) absolutely i mean uh you are not the first person in this project to to express that sentiment yeah and um my even for me myself i did you know there were many there are many times where i you know subconsciously or consciously kind of don't talk about my diabetes or Mm -hmm. I, i kind of keep it to myself and i think you know it's not i never felt an outward sense of shame yeah. But it's kind of like this internalized, uh, so you know, omission. Mm-hmm. I suppose. I think that comes from a really terrible cultural cornerstone of uh, 
implying that there's some kind of morality that goes with health. Yeah. And, uh, that's just, it's just not true, and it's so archaic, and yet, you know, you find yourself, I mean, I, I almost never spoke about my diabetes at all mm-hmm. for launching this project until kind of me launching this project, I realized my own shortcomings as somebody with a chronic illness. I mean, you know, I realized, wow, I, I'm not good about this. You know, and, uh, <laughs> I'm like I, I I'm asking people to share these hor- these very personal stories, and I'm just kind of like I haven't been talking about it to my loved ones about what it means and how it is. Mm-hmm. No, it's it, it, yeah, it's definitely something where the whatever societal pressures and 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 making you first of all feel shameful for having some kind of illness in any way, shape, or form, and then it's Absolutely. and it's our own, like you said, our own means of omission because it's at the same time it's like you don't want to I guess bum other people out like, yeah exactly <laughs> like you don't want to have to explain it first of all um, yeah. and then you don't want the looks that people give oh, you oh my goodness I was about to say with the looks <laughs> yeah it's you know? always that it's this like weird like sort of pity but oh my god I'm glad it's not me <laughs> okay. I think I mean I'll be honest with you my dad you know was always like very positive to me about my diabetes was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes which is very different than type 1 mm-hmm. but the first thing he said was I don't want to live like you and I was oh. like oh my god you know it's it's this kind of moment where I realized because I thought that he thought this whole time that he didn't quite grasp what it meant to be diabetic mm. and then I was like oh shit no he totally does yeah he's just being He's just been trying to kind of do the stiff upper lip thing that a lot of uh, immigrant parents do, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and but no, he he knows what this is, and he does not want it for himself. Yeah. Now my uh, I've gone through that a couple of times with like my mom and my dad because I have anxiety, but I also have IBS, um, mm-hmm. which is somewhat of a result of the anxiety. So, sure. <laughs> um, so explaining that to my mom who's never really had like a, a like a huge medical condition that she's needed medications for and everything was a lot harder than my dad who's actually gone through anxiety like has it as well and and finding out that oh turns out your entire one entire side of your family has huge anxiety issues that no one thought to tell you about oh absolutely i mean you know i uh i, ha- I have i have anxiety issues as well and mm-hmm. it's you know that's been that's been one hell of a journey and it's been definitely <laughs> exasperated by my diabetes mm-hmm. uh because diabetes is kind of this tightrope walk yeah where you feel as though if you aren't on top of it, it it'll it'll ruin you like at any moment you don't know when the hammer's gonna fall that's a horrible feeling if you're a naturally anxious person like myself or if you uh, like myself have have issues and it's yeah. I'm, I'm much less ready to talk about my anxiety than I am uh, my my diabetes because you know well, it's it's different. Invisible illnesses are like that. I mean, diabetes mm-hmm. is is kind of an invisible illness, but I also do have an insulin pump, which is like a you know it's got a tube, it's a machine, it's attached mm-hmm. to me. You know, it's 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 very tough to validate yourself when it's something that you can't really see. Even though it's it's so common, you know, well, it's it's kind of insane. And you can't even like fully explain it to to some people. I mean, like depression 
anxiety manifests so differently for so Absolutely. You know, so yeah, like at least I mean, at the very least diabetes is is kind of almost a familiar thing to people in in the sense of a reference whereas anxiety is just like, oh, well, you should just, you know, get over it. Like, uh, yeah, it doesn't work that way, but thanks, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to be fair to diabetics, we also get all kinds of, like, really stupid shit. Like, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. And you'll be fine. And it's like, hey, fuck you. Yes. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I can curse on No, go ahead. You're fine. <laughs> I get very irritated by even the, the memory of, like, I had a, a horrible, very abusive boss who once told me that, if I did acupuncture, my diabetes would be under control, and I wanted to, I was like, can you not, <laughs> Like, how would I take these acupuncture needles and stick them in your eye? Or my eyes. Yeah, either I one. I don't have to, I can think about something else. <laughs> I'll get these knitting needles and just jab them in, and we'll all get along great. It'd be fine. Exactly. Yeah, no, it, it's, yeah, because what struck me about when the, like, not only just seeing the announcement for the anthology and and, and then subsequently the Kickstarter, it's like, because the medical conditions are so, so personal that, you know, to, to have people who are, you know, in, in many ways brave enough to, t- you know, to talk about it in a certain way is, is, is almost, like, admirable, like, from my perspective, because, like, I don't, like, that... I don't have that level of comfort with it that some Absolutely. people do to to get them there, you know. Yeah, I am. I'm. I'm very uh, thankful and grateful to my roster creators. I feel very honored to work with them and to you know uh, for them allowing me to help share their stories. A lot of them are about you know some of the the worst times of their lives, mm-hmm. and that's that's really. Uh, I think that this kind of sense i mean so a lot of these stories you know some of them are funny some of them are lighthearted. some of them are are you know about kind of temporary illnesses and some of them are very deep but and some of them are very solemn but mm-hmm. no matter what uh the body is so personal mm-hmm. despite the fact that we all have one <laughs> and so <laughs> talking about talking about kind of the ways your bodies can fail you is is you know it's not the, it's not an easy thing, even mm-hmm. if it's even if it's kind of presented in a funny manner. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like it feels like the ultimate betrayal when your body starts breaking down on you. Where Absolutely, you're just like, come on, we had a good thing, didn't we? Like, I know, but the, and the, the, that's like the kind of the, the true deep irony of health is that you don't think about your health until it's gone, mm-hmm. and then you think about God. I wish I had loved you know been happy when I was healthy and then you get healthy again sometimes you know assuming I'm you know assuming that you do I'm talking I'm talking about my experience with like the flu like Mm -hmm, I'll get the flu and I'll be like god I can't believe I ever took a granted (laughs) time that I could breathe out of my nose yeah what it doesn't feel like to have the flu and then I recover from the flu and immediately forget immediately all right time I don't give a I don't give a single shit (laughs) it's like you know it's terrible that's terrible yeah what? And it, why am I, but i feel like that's kind of the way it is with a, for 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 everybody mm-hmm. does not have a chronic condition so yeah it's the ultimate thing we take for granted until Absolutely. it becomes an issue and then you and then like you said yeah you're just like what did i do why did why did i make so many mistakes in my life <laughs> yeah i mean i think that that is what that is that that i think i believe that does play a big part of kind of why we discuss healthcare the way that we do, mm-hmm. 
not politicians. I mean, politicians have their own reasons for discussing healthcare the way they do, and those reasons are all terrible. Yeah. But when you know an average person kind of talk, thinks about healthcare and they hear Paul Ryan say something like, "Why should the healthy pay for the sick?" and <sighs> they're not and they're healthy at that time, they think to themselves, "Yeah, that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. why should I have to pay for them?" Without kind of the the, the foresight to really realize. You're going to be the sick. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. But I promise <laughs> you will get sick. And it won't be just like a cold. Like someday you're going to get horribly ill. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's just part of, of life is that you get ill and you die. Um, and <laughs> I know that's another reason why you, people don't want to talk about uh, about about health, about like disease. Because people don't like to think about these things. But truly, I, I promise it will happen to you. <laughs> and it might happen. And that about illness is that it could strike at any moment and that was another thing that i wanted to talk about in in corpus is that it's like these are normal people Mm -hmm. who were just living their lives and there was no rhyme or reason as to there was no weakness of the blood or whatever there was no like curse from god for them being a bad person yeah it's it's just it just happened yeah and it it can just happen to anyone yeah Um, that's the you know I, yeah, I can't stand when people equate illness to, like like you said before, to morality or to, it's like, well, you just weren't a good enough person. It's like, that has literally nothing to do with the fact that my body has rejected something right now. Like, it's, it's like, it's just that, because I'm a, for, like, formerly practicing Catholic or a lapsed Catholic or whatever, and, and not necessarily in, the, in my church did we get that, but I heard it in my father's, like, Presbyterian church you know, a few times, or just like, how can you blame, how can you assign that to people that they are somehow wicked enough to receive an illness when that, uh, it just, it bothers the fuck out of me. I do, I went to, like I said, a Catholic high school, even though we are not Catholic, but, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, my parents wanted me to have some kind of religious uh, background, Uh, and I remember that we had a speaker whose name was Georgina, and I remember that because that's my middle name, mm. and she came in, told the story about her son, who uh, suffered from schizophrenia, and uh, unfortunately committed suicide, mm-hmm. and she was talking about it in the framework of this was sent to her by God Ugh. for her to learn something. Yeah. And I was up in the audience, by the way, of this uh, kind of like this uh, lecture, I was incredulous, and I definitely did say something and was kicked out of the lecture because I was absolutely furious. I couldn't believe that she would equate the illness and the terrible... I mean, I imagine if this is how she was, I was like, God, did, well, you know, how awful must it be mm-hmm. to have been somebody who was suffering and to kind of hear, like, God did this for you, to you. Yeah. For a reason. I mean, that's it's it's unimaginably cruel. Um, so I remember that's kind of one of those examples of things where it's like a morality thing. Like, oh, it was a morality lesson. It's like if if God genuinely fucks with people's lives in order to teach them things, I have no interest. Yeah. Like this is not a this is not a god for me. If like if that's if they feel like punishing a child so that you learn a lesson. Yeah, like, I'm going, like, I'll, I'll take the route. I'll, I'll show myself out. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to the Church of Satan. I think that they have a way better plan over here, so... <laughs> yeah, I'll, don't, don't think you. I'll walk myself to the door. Yeah. <laughs> like, but yeah, no, it's... Yeah, because health... I mean, especially now with um, these 
I mean, and I don't even feel like half the time there are even conversations about healthcare. It's just one person yelling at you while you try to prove them wrong and then they don't care anyway. Um, like for to, to have something like Corpus that gives uh, visibility to uh, illnesses at times that we don't either want to talk about or don't know enough to talk about them, you know, like that, that feels like is it's necessary to be out in the ether somewhere. I mean, there's, there's a, uh, there's a lot of silence around these issues and this kind of this internalized thing that uh, I didn't even recognize before I, about myself before I embarked on this. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we, I, I strongly believe very down to my core the ability of art to create and teach empathy. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, that I launched this project with that in mind, about kind of, I think that if people would just kind of learn new perspectives, they genuinely will, can't help but feel something and change their minds for these people and their stories. So, mm-hmm. you know, this book isn't just for people who are ill. It's also, it's, 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 you know, it's just about the tenacity of the human spirit, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I think that it's, it's, you know, that's part of the reason why it was so important for me to create, to create Corpus is just that I think that there's a lot of lessons to be learned from these people uh, they have a lot of wisdom, and there's, it's it's so human. Mm-hmm. It's the most human thing. I mean, we have a call for more stories about a range of perspectives from race and sexuality, because these are things that every human deals with, mm-hmm. and those calls are beautiful. So why not, why not have this? Yeah. I, I think that this is up there, too. And, and, and I agree that, you know, empathy is not as prevalent a, um, as a a coping mechanism or a teaching tool as it should be. It's like, and, and some people blame it on, on a lot of different things like the internet or, you know, whatever this generation is doing, blah, blah, blah. But it's just like, you know, sympathy and empathy are far more, um, uh, I'm trying to find the words here. (laughs) Like they're, they're, they're in much higher demand, I feel, or they should be because we're, we're dealing with a culture currently that's just lacking it in terms of what the media is showing them. Absolutely. I mean, I actually, I, I think the internet is a, is a huge well for empathy. I think that without mm-hmm. it, we wouldn't be anywhere near as close to what we are, are doing as we are now. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it created, it allowed for people who normally wouldn't have a platform to kind of grab the microphone and demand this demand the spotlight. And mm-hmm. I think that that's, you know, that's beautiful. And, uh, you know, so we have very, but it's also, you know, created zones of internet that are just super weird. <laughs> they are the worst just of the people, worst. Just people who uh, kind of glorify their own, glorify their own prejudices, I suppose. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that that's, uh, that's pretty crazy. I mean, just, I don't know, be nice. Yeah. Be kind. It doesn't. None of us. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't cost a thing. And yeah. um, so, Corpus. Uh, yeah, Corpus was definitely founded on the idea of, you know, be nice, be kind, mm-hmm. listen to other people, and kind of hear what it is. And you know, uh, it's about stuff. You know, how every. You know, I, I when I started 
looking for people for Corpus, I received, you know, besides the stories I received, which were all amazing, I, I would say there was a, a pretty even split between the people who submitted through the website and people who I reached out to at New York Comic Con mm-hmm. um, this past one. Uh, but the people who I reach out to, I reach out to them without really knowing their backgrounds with yeah. illness. I just kind of reach out to them just to see what I would get. And every one of them had a story. No one doesn't have a story. And it's, it's, it's you know, that's kind of the point. Mm-hmm. Is that you, even if you think you don't have a story, you definitely have one. Yeah. Yeah. Even, in, in no story, and I, I said this in the submissions, no story is too small. Yeah. No, I do remember that, yeah. And yeah, because yeah, it's so easy for people to look at what they're what they're going through and being like, "Well, this isn't as huge as like cancer or something like that." But it's like, yeah, exactly. You know, because you feel like if if yours is something that's you know what we would consider manageable, or you eventually like overcame it, they're like, "Well, it's not. I'm not suffering anymore. So why talk about it anymore?" Um, and then, but it's really about like, no, you went through something and you came out the other side, and you likely learned from it or you know it's uh again something you can share with others to let them know that this is a thing that some people go through and that some people come out the other side yes exactly you know um i have this in the prologue (laughs) but i I used to talk about in the prologue of the anthology spoiler alert okay um, that uh i believe that every story of illness is is it's a hero's journey Mm -hmm. it's starting at one point uh, overcoming a great feat, a great challenge, and uh, and and kind of coming out the other side changed. I think that if you've ever been ill, um, or you are chronically ill, like myself, mm-hmm. you every the fact that you're still alive means that you won. And even if you pass away, that doesn't mean that you failed in any way. It just means your journey came to a close. Mm-hmm. But if you are alive and you were able to tell your story, then you have already accomplished something yeah you know and i i think that that is that is a, a beautiful aspect to illness that is is so kind of not talked about because even when we do have people with disabilities on television or movies um it's often kind of inspiration porn mm. or it's very yeah. kind of pity gaze i do recall that i was furious i'm i'm furious often it seems like uh, I was, it. <laughs> um, I, I was furious at um, the theory of everything, which was the story of Stephen Hawking, mm-hmm. because I felt as though the movie was really kind of passing over his accomplishments to be more like, oh, he wishes so much that he could be like everyone else. And it's like, this guy went into like a zero gravity chamber and is, like, the most fucking well-known person on Earth. (laughs) Like, you know what? I, like, I think he's lived pretty solid. Like, I'm sure that, yes, there were were times when you were like, hmm, I wish that things were different, but you know what? Uh, you know what? Chronically ill people, by the way, don't constantly wish that they weren't chronically ill. We just kind of learn to live with it. Mm -hmm. Like, we don't, like, yeah, I, I always say, even if I was cured of diabetes tomorrow, I would never start, I would never stop counting my carbs and putting it into like insulin equations because that's just how I live Mm -hmm. so you know and people can get used to and accustomed to literally anything yeah so you know so I think that you know I do we shouldn't have stories about all people whether it's just them wishing that they were they were okay it's like yeah yes they do but like that's not 
that's not what they do day in day out yeah they and furthermore these stories shouldn't all be inspiration porn because you know what we have our goddamn bad days you know yeah. it starts it starts it, it has the thing and then at the end they overcome it and then the movie ends they don't have to live the next day mm-hmm. you know so i think that you know when you have like a story about like oh this person has a disability and then they overcame it and now they're perfect at controlling it every day forever mm-hmm. you know that's that's a ridiculous amount of pressure we have that's just not possible well you know? and and it's like that it's that stereotype uh not even a stereotype it's just it's like this um this ideal that people try to strive for it's like well i can just get over anything right because that's what, that's, that's the, I mean, it's a corruption of the human spirit story, basically. It's like, and if I don't do it, then I failed, you know? Yeah, and it's, it's, you know, when, there is no failed in living, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? It's like, you, you haven't failed just because you didn't take care of yourself that day. And when you, and this is, I mean, this is the thing people talk about when they talk about diets, yeah. you know, they talk about burnout. So if you're a chronically ill person, there's a lot of pressure on you to feel as though you have to take care of yourself all the time. And I talk about, uh, you know, I've met a few diabetics through this experience and I hadn't previously known them. And I've talked to them about this thing that I call diabetic burnout, which is when you kind of go off a little bit and you, and you just feel like, Oh God, I can't, you know, I went off and I might as well just give up. And then you just stop taking care of yourself because you're just so, you feel like it's a, it's the derailment can't be something you get over. It's a failure that you can't overcome. And that's just not true. It's just, you fail and then kind of, you have to learn how not to beat yourself up about about it. Mm -hmm. So that, that, you know, this, uh, these stories, these kind of inspirational, like inspiration porn stories, they don't allow for that. Yeah, they make it so that it's it's all or nothing, and that's just not that's just not healthy. No, it's and it gives a false idea of how to handle illness at the same time. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Cause... So Corpus uh, definitely, you know, there are stories in there that that talk about, um, you know, just what it is to stumble and get up and just kind of live. Yeah. No, I, I, I still remember some of my ugly cry moments when just you're trying to deal with your symptoms and, and just you don't want to talk about it with anybody, but you also want someone to understand you. And then it's just like, well, fuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, in that case, you reach for a book. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully this is the book. <laughs> if we make funny, it will be the book. Yeah, there we go. No, I'm, I mean, and I'm I'm so looking forward to it. Like, I... I'm I'm trying to like get as many people as I know to to look at be like come on just do it just put it into the Kickstarter and it's, it's gonna be great trust me I don't steer you wrong mostly thank so you. <laughs> thank you no thank you for I mean I I appreciate every single person who pledges every person who kind of spreads the word it's just you know it couldn't be done without without all of the supporters so. Uh, you know, if you're listening, supporters, thank you. Yeah. Well, so we're almost at, at the about the 40 minutes. Um, so you're uh, going to be at Emerald City Comic Con, right? I am. Okay. I'm going to be doing some promotion. I'm going to have a lot of flyers. Um, and I'm going to just be running around generally. <laughs> just like a manic running around. Gotcha. All right. Well, if you see the, the <laughs> see Nadia running around, please stop her. Tell her to breathe. And, and then take the flyer and support the yeah, Kickstarter. Yeah, I mean, you'll hear me, because you'll hear me. I mean, you'll know it's me, 
because I'll be holding a huge stack of Corpus Fire saying, please pledge, please, <laughs> at everyone who passes. For the love so, of all that is holy, please. God, please, God. <laughs> Are you there, God? It's me, Nadia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You owe me one. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You see, here you go. You've earned it. <laughs> I've earned this. It's like, God, Allah, Buddha, come on, figure it out. Yeah, that's my favorite scene from Futurama. I don't know if you've watched it. Oh, I love that, Futurama so Yeah, much. that one moment where the professor is going down the whirlwind, and he's like, God, Buddha, Allah, Satan. <laughs> you Satan, you owe me. Exactly. <laughs> With my final breath, I curse Zoidberg. <laughs> Which I, I kind of want that to be on my gravestone, like with my last yeah, breath, like Chris Yeah, check out, yeah, check out uh, Corpus Fucking Star and check out Futurama. Yes, all the Futurama. <laughs> all of Futurama. Pazuzu! <laughs> you had one left, Professor. <laughs> well, excellent. Then you can talk to her about Futurama while you're supporting Corpus. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, if you. God, I was going to say, if you support. At Emerald City in front of me, I'll do like a Zoidberg dance, I guess. <laughs> okay. Uh, like, I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll find a way. I, I will personally come find you just to see the attempt. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it it'll, it'll be beautiful. You guys will weep. I promise. For, for I mean, one we, reason or another, you'll weep. For one reason or another, you'll weep. <laughs> well, excellent. So, um, other than Emerald City, is there uh, the Kickstarter ends, what, March 4th, I believe? That's right. Okay, ends March 4th. Uh, also, where can people contact you online should they wish to do so? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, which is Nadia, N-A-D-I-A, underscore, S-H-A-M-M-A-S, underscore. Mm-hmm. So it's Nadia Shamus. Um, you can also email me at corpusanthology at gmail.com. And uh, I think that those are kind of the two main... I have an Instagram, but it's mostly pictures of foods and my cat. There we go. So if you like that, also my name. <laughs> you know, not hard to find. Uh, and you'll know it because it's just like, I don't know, 80 pictures of ramen and then a few pictures of a cat. Good to know. (laughs) Store that in your memory boxes. Uh, Well, Nadia, thank you so much for coming on and uh, and promoting Corpus. Uh, I can't wait to to see it, and I can't wait to see you at Emerald City either. Thank you. I look forward to meeting you. Thanks, everybody, and uh, I hope that I answered some questions. (laughs) If not, if only for the Futurama references, I'm glad this happened. (laughs) Me too. All right. Well, uh, on behalf of that girl with the curls, thank you again, and uh, good night, everybody. Down